Welcome to Living Word, growing a family that experiences every promise of God. You're listening to another life-changing word from Pastor Scott Anderson. For more information, visit our website at livingwordonline.com. Give a big hand clap to those that are watching us on podcast, vidcast, down, upcast, whatever cast you're on right now. We're glad that you joined today. Don't forget about our daily Bible study that we have, the number one in the world on YouTube, Daily Bible Study. Go to YouTube, type in Daily, daily Bible Study, and our wake-up show will come on up. And what a great way to start off your day. Me and Jason have a scripture for your day. We pray over your day. And if anything, we just encourage you to get you built up and ready for another huge uh, day. And last week was our number one viewership of all times. We just continue to grow. Come on, are you enjoying the wake-up show? We love it. I enjoy it. So a uh, redneck mom is going to, she's writing a letter to her son. I thought I would read that letter to you all today. Dear son, I'm writing in this slow because I know you can't read fast. We don't live where we did when you left home. Your dad read the newspaper that most accidents happen within 20 miles of your home, so we moved. I won't be able to send you the address because the last family that lived here took the house numbers when they moved, so they wouldn't have to change their address. <laughs> this place is really nice. It even has a washing machine. I'm not sure about it, though. I put a load of clothes in and pulled the chain. We haven't seen them since. The weather isn't bad here. It only rained twice last week, the first time for three days and the second time for four days. <laughs> Aunt Molly has sent you a pair of socks she knit, and she put a third one in because she heard you've grown another foot since we last saw you. <laughs> that one hits me hard every time. <laughs> about, about that coat you wanted me to send, your uncle, uncle Billy said it'd be too heavy to send in the mail with the buttons, all the buttons on it. So we cut all the buttons off and put them in the pockets and mailed it. <laughs> Jimmy locked his keys in the car yesterday. We were really worried because it took him two hours to get me and your father out. Three of your friends <laughs> went off a bridge in a pickup truck. Butch was driving. He rolled down the window and swam to safety. Your other two friends were in the back. They drowned because they couldn't get the tailgate down. <laughs> now, I didn't see this until the last time I read this. This, is, this hit me hard. It's in the salutations. Your favorite aunt, mom. Amen. Come on, somebody out there. <laughs> I don't know what that means. Open up your Bibles to 1 Thessalonians uh, 5, uh, verse 16. We're in the second week of, um, I'm in love with this series. It's an overflow of joy. It's just too much joy. Where, wherever I go, whatever my life is like, I am so full of joy that it just spills on, gets all over wherever I'm at, that I am happy and full of joy every second of every minute of every day. What was the first word I said? Sicket? Every sicket. Always be happy every sicket of the day. Every hour, every day, every month. I am full of joy. We see Paul here who is the master of joy. He learned the secret of joy. He says this in Thessalonians. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in. Somebody say all with me. 
Wow, all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus, which resembles the scripture, uh, the happiest chapter in the Bible we read from last week in Philippians chapter 4. And it's interesting that Paul wrote the happiest chapter in the Bible about being happy in prison. Not from a beach somewhere, not from Disneyland, but he was sitting in a prison waiting to see if today I die, tomorrow I die, are they going to kill me, what's going to happen to me? And he wrote the secrets of being happy. And he said, first of all, just like this one, he says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Always living a life of giving thanks and giving gratitude to God for what you got in this life and where you're at, what you're going through. He says, and I know that you're going to have some difficult times because I've had some bad times. He said, but in those, don't ever get stressed out, but instead, give it up to God. But come to God with some thanksgiving in your heart. Make sure you're thankful and praise. He says, when you do that, then God's, God will, will, will give you peace that will surpass your understanding. You may not understand, as Paul says, I don't understand why I'm in prison. I'm just trying to do good things. He's like, but that's all right, because God's peace surpasses my understanding. Then he says, I've learned this thing, to be content in every situation and every circumstance in my life. He says, I've learned just to always be happy, always to be content. Whether I'm up, down, doesn't matter, left or right, it doesn't matter. I've learned to be happy whether I was good or, or things aren't good. Whether I was on a cool ship or I'm being shipwrecked, whether I'm out there preaching the word or whether I am in jail writing a cool letter, I have learned. And then he says this, make sure that you know that your needs are met by God. God is the meter of your needs. When you weren't saved, we spent our whole life trying to get needs met out here, which is empty and never works because I'm trying to get you to meet my needs, but you're trying to get me to meet my needs, your needs, and nobody's getting anybody's needs met. And he says there's a shift that happens as a Christian. He says, it used to be here. I'm trying to get this. He goes, it's broken. It doesn't work. He goes, as soon as you get a, become a Christian, we need to shift it to right here. God, you are the meter of my needs. Lord, whatever I need, I know that I can get it from you. I can't get it out here. I can get, and what, relax. It's so awesome and relieving to go, okay. I no longer have to worry about my boss or my coworkers or the people in my world meet my needs. But instead, now it's just up to God. You're like, well, but pastor, I, you know, I grew up and I had no father. And God says, yeah, but I'm the father to the fatherless. But pastor, you know what? My heart's been broken. And I spent all thousands of dollars trying with psychologists and everything. And God says, but I sent my son. Jesus is the one that heals the broken heart. Yeah, but, but pastor, I, I just don't know if I have any answers. He says, I have the answers. And I'll give you the wisdom. Yeah, but people just keep leaving. And God says, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. I will always be in your corner. And it doesn't matter who's against you when God is for you. He says, whatever you need, I am that need in your life. And Paul says, hey, people walk away from me all the time, but I've learned that God will supply all my needs according to his riches and according to his glory. Write down number one. We talked about it a little bit last week, um, and I'm just going to spend a moment on it again. I think it's good for us to hear it again. Number one, circumstances and what I have cannot control my joy. That's a big one. Because our joy, most people's joy, is all about what I have and what I'm going through. 
But that's a roller coaster ride, people. It is a roller coaster ride in life. Oh my God, I got a date with somebody super cool. Oh my God, they're a jerk. I can't believe what just happened. Oh my God, I got a job. I'm so excited. Oh, my boss is a jerk. I don't know what to do with him. Oh, oh, oh my God, I got a new car. I'm so excited. Oh, I got my first car payment. I don't know what to do with that. Oh my God, I, I got married. Oh my God, I'm married. We got a baby. It's 2 o'clock in the morning, and the baby won't go to sleep. And you find that people, and it doesn't matter how much people have, when what you have controls your joy. You can read, watch all the Kardashians and all the stuff. They got the 20,000 square foot house, yet happy for a moment and so unhappy the next moment for things that just are not a big deal. You're like, oh my God, everything in life, like they're here. You know, the best example to see uh, like what you have is walk through. I've started noticing when I walk on a plane, uh, I never do first class because for me, everything is first class. I, like, I got so much room. I'm like, I got too much room, right? <laughs> so I don't need first class. And I don't like to spend an extra $500 for a seat that doesn't make any sense to me. But you walk through first class, these should be the happiest people on the plane. And they always look miserable. And I just want to grab someone and go, you know you get goodies before the rest of us. You get, you got big seat, you got no fight over the armrest, you got people trying to serve you, and you're unhappy, and I don't understand why. Because what you have is never going to bring you happiness. My happiness comes out from the inside out when I'm content with what God has given me in my life. I was waiting, I was flying to Florida. And uh, I was sitting there and, and waiting for, uh, you know, my, our zone, whatever, 803 zone, whatever zone I'm in. I don't know. It's like a long ways in. And all of a sudden, the, this mom and, and this little girl, she, she's about three, four years old. She had the pigtails. She's so cute. And they come and sit, and she sits like right there, right? There's not a whole lot of seats. And she's all, I'm Missy. I'm like, hi, Missy. She's like, we're sitting in first class. I'm like, cool. She's, and then she started doing this. She's like, we're sitting in first class. We're sitting in first class. Like, she's so excited. I'm like, well, nothing like bragging, little Missy. Okay, good for you. I'm glad. Good for you. And I was like, well, Missy, you need to be a little more excited about first class. She's like, I'm so excited. We're in first class. And then she started doing a little song again in first class. And they called first class, and they didn't get up. And uh, they called zone one, two, three, four. I think we were like zone six. I got up. It was my zone. And they got up with me. And she said, Mom, we going to first class? Mom's like, yep. She's like, we're going to first class. We're going to first class. And I'm like, you're late for first class. And so... We get in the line, and, and we've all passed by, the, you know, the, the unhappy bunch, the first-class bunch, and uh, they didn't stop anywhere. And she's all the way, she's telling people, she's like, I'm going to first class. I'm going to first class, right? And we get all the way back to, I think it was uh, 28, like in the back there. And uh, I go all the way. I was in, on the window seat, and she's all first class. And then the mom turned in, and the mom sat here, and then the little girl was on the aisle. She's like, Mom, is this first class? The mom goes, yeah. She's like, we're in first class. And she looked at me, she goes, you're in first class. <laughs> I'm like, I am. <laughs> so exciting. <laughs> And it made me think that first class isn't up there. First class is on the inside of here. 
It's not what I got, it's what I got on the inside. And for everybody in this room, how many people know, because we are sons and daughters of God, that we are in first class wherever I go. I'm first class when I'm up, when I'm down, when I'm abound, when I'm down. Paul's like, I'm first class and you're first class. Come on, Living Word Bible Church, how many people out there are first class? Yeah, you can be up there and miserable, or you can be back here with Missy singing the song of what first class is in your life. And I have learned as a young child, right, that it's not about what you got. It's about what I got inside of me. It's not about what I have, but it's about who has me and who has taken my life to the next level. And that's what Paul knew. Paul's like, I know. And if you watch Paul's life, and if you were to mimic to the average person and where their emotions is, right, Things are going awesome, amazing. Oh, my God, we had some setbacks. Lexi, where they're at. Oh, my God, I'm a ship going to my purpose and my destiny. Oh, we've been shipwrecked. Man, I don't know what God's going to do, but it's going to be sad. Oh, my God, we, we just preached an awesome message. Oh, my gosh, I'm in prison now. I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm going to write some cool letters in it. And you see that Paul's life was consistent no matter what was going on, no matter what he had. He's like, if I'm abounding, I'm doing great. If I'm fed, I'm doing great. But if I'm hungry, that's still doing great. He's like, if I live, I can change the world. If I die, I get to go to heaven no matter what and the enemy has to be frustrated no matter what happens Paul's happy Paul's excited you know as a kid we were broke we were just we just didn't we had nothing growing up and but we, you know what we did have is we had happiness I learned at a young age to be content and I believe that's one of the secrets for me and Jason because my parents always were showing us how awesome God was no matter how we didn't have much at all I look back I'm like we didn't have much but you know what we had love we had acceptance. We had everything a child. You know, a happy home, come on, somebody. A happy home is not a home full of toys. A happy home has just got some love and some acceptance that is in it. And children that are taught to be content with what they have. And it would be Christmas, and I got myself a, right? The Sears Roebuck. Anybody remember Sears? The Amazon of the 70s, right? And you didn't get it next day. You usually got it next month. And so it was... $18, I got the $18 NFL bedspread for my bed, and I got three matchbox cars. It was a Christmas that I still remember today. And my friend got a whole bunch of toys and got the new $180, back in 78, this is expensive, in television console system and games, but he wasn't happy because he didn't get the game that he wanted. I got, for my birthday, a $12 bike that was about 40 years old. And you've never seen a kid happier. That thing was beat up and scratched. It's got stories to tell. But my bike, I can ride my bike. My friend got, the same year, a $350 mongoose. But he was upset because I think it was his cousin had got the new red line that was a nicer bike. And so he wasn't happy. And you find that he grew up in a very unhappy home where he had everything. And I had a very happy home where we didn't have a whole lot. Happiness is never about what you got. It's not about where you're sitting. It's about who's sitting on the throne in your life. Come on, somebody out there. And if my joy is, is linked to what I got, then you're never going to got as much as so-and-so and so-and-so. Then Facebook is always going to frustrate you because, oh, my God, look at her. Her husband took, him, took her on a canoe ride and a picnic, and it was an epic day. What you didn't know is he just took her to David Buster's, and they just magged up, right? But if you learn to be content 
with what you have in your life. Life seems to be awesome. Contentment is just being happy with what I got and where I'm at. Teddy Roosevelt said this, they'll put it up for you. Ungratefulness is the thief of joy. It's a thief of joy. Steals joy. He wrote this in the time of depression. I thought no matter where you are financially today in this room, we have probably all different places. No matter where you are, everyone in this room, no matter if you're, you, you've got the least amount in this room, you'll still be one of the wealthiest people in Gulu, Africa. Literally, you'll be one of the wealthiest that are out there. People that have nothing. The wealthy people, they'll put a family of five on a bitty scooter and they'll drive it to church. But for most people, they walk 15 to 20 miles each way just to go to church. And here we are, we're upset because we got a 15-minute drive to church. These people walk for hours to go to church. And when they're in the doors, you think it'd be a whole bunch of unhappy first-class people. But they've got the joy of the Lord. They're excited. They're singing. They're like, God's good. And you're like, oh, my God, if you can be happy in Gulu, you can be happy anywhere. That's what my word is. It's not about what you have. See, when it's about what you have, I believe this. I'm going to give you a, a couple of little goodies here. Uh, contentment opens doors to your needs and to your wants for God to bring them in. Ungratefulness either closes the doors or we're unable to see the doors of opportunity that are in front of us. So either if when I'm grateful, I seem to see things differently and doors of opportunity where God brings it into our life. And I'm going to give you a little secret to never being disappointed again. There's a secret to that. It's contentment. When I just know that God's in charge and when I happen to get a no in life, it's all right because God must have a better plan. When Lakin and Heath were about five and four years old, um, this is back in the VCR days, and it was summertime, so I carried that, you know, that awesome portable VCR TV combo that weighed about 380 pounds, right? And to put it in the room, right? And I let them for three nights in a row watch movies uh, as they were going to sleep. But it was Saturday night, and tomorrow's church, and they're like, Dad, do we get a movie? And I said, no, guys, uh, we got church tomorrow. And they were like, mm! and they were so mad and so upset, right, as they're sleeping under a roof in a bed, with food in their belly <laughs> in my house, you're going to be upset because we don't get a movie in your horrible, hard life that you've had today. You've only been playing for 18 hours, so today's a rough day. I get that. And so I said to them, and these are things that we want to teach in our parenting conference coming up. I said, well, guys, here's the problem. You'll never get another movie again until I know that I can give you a no. You'll never get a yes until I know you can be happy with a no. Like, we have to be happy with a no? Yes. They said, well, can we have a movie? And I said, no. And they both did, like they planned this out for months. They're like, see, we're happy, Dad. <laughs> can we have a movie now? I said, no. You said we get a movie, we're happy, we're happy. Doesn't sound like you're happy. <laughs> Sorry, guys, you won't get a movie until I can feel confident that if I give you a no, that it's okay with you. The next night, Dad, can we have a movie? No. And they forced a smile. They're like, well, we're happy. Cool. Good for you. The next night, no. Forced a smile. It got to eight days later. Now they did, they're like, whatever. We don't get a movie. It's fine. Like they were now just fine with not getting a movie. Dad, I know we can't have a movie. And I go, yeah, we can have a movie tonight. I'm like, yeah, I got a movie. And then the next night, Dad, can we have a movie? No. And you could tell it was like surprising. 
but we've already been happy with a no. So they forced a smile on. The next night was another no. And the third night was a no, and they were happy with it. And I said, hey, guys, I'm going to give you a movie because you were happy. And it was a teaching in being content because life's going to have some no's. And if your emotions are contingent on whether you get all yeses in your life, guess what? Your emotions are going to be a roller coaster in life. And sometimes door closes, but here's the thing. God's got another door for you. He's got something available. Come on, somebody. He's got something bigger up ahead of you. But when I get so mad and frustrated when a door closes, it blinds me to another door that God is going to open in my future, in my life. And so it's important that we learn to, to go through an entire life not having any disappointment. We'll see here in Acts 16, 6, Paul is doing, this is where Philippians 4 started here in Acts 16, 6. Paul, Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of wherever that is, in Galatia, having been kept by Phrygia, the Holy Spirit, from preaching the word in the province of Asia, verse 7. When they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. Paul has a need. Paul's like, i got to preach. i got to get this word out. But he keeps hitting doors. He keeps hitting no's and no's and no's. And why can't I go here and go there? And is Paul getting mad and upset? No, he's just flowing with it because he knows that God's got something bigger in their lives. Disappointment can have no power over us when we're okay with a no, knowing that our God who meets our needs has got something better. For the last half a decade, five years, and it always happens around August and September, there's something that I, uh, it's a desire. It's not, not a need. It's just a big desire that I have. I, I want it. I want it really bad. And five years ago, I thought I was going to get it, and it didn't go through, and I didn't get it. And I was okay. God's got something bigger. And what I found out later was, good thing I didn't get it then, because it would have made a mess. And four years ago, same thing. And three years ago, and two years ago, and one year. Last year, I was so close. It was going to happen. Praise the Lord, it didn't happen. It would have made a big old mess if I had got it in that season of my life. I know I'm going to get it, but it was good that I didn't get it. And so this last two weeks, it looked like it was for sure. I'm going to get it. Yesterday, we're going to get it. And then we found out we ain't going to get it. And now we're driving home. And are you disappointed? No, not disappointed at all. You know why? Because I know that God's got something better up ahead. Come on, somebody out there. I don't live a life of disappointment. You're like, well, what is it, Pastor? I'll let you know when I get it. How's that sound? Next year in August, maybe, when I get it, then I'll share it all with you. But as of right now, I know that every single time, no matter what my no was, later I look back and realize, okay, that was a good no, and I'm glad that I'm trusting in God. And when the enemy has no power over you, you keep putting in this thing, you're going to get your dream job, and somebody else gets your dream job, and instead of getting disappointed, you're like, ooh, all that means is God's got a better job for me. Sister so-and-so, Susie, got the promotion that you were supposed to get. And instead of getting mad and disappointed, you just go, oh, God's got a better position. I don't know what he's got, but I know that I'm excited about what is up ahead. No matter what you go through in life, a no cannot be a disappointment because I know that God's yeses are the best yeses that are out there. When he gives me a yes, when he opens up a door, and I didn't have to force, anybody ever force a door? And later you're like, man, I wish I would have listened and took in the no, amen? 
And I could have forced to get what I want all five years. I could have forced it. And I know looking back every single time, I would have made a mess out of things had I forced a yes instead of just going, all right, God, if it's a no, it's a no. And I'm okay with that because I know that your yeses are going to be the best yeses out there. When we get married, and I'm going to put this up there because I want some of you may want to write this down. When we get married to our plans, we miss God's plans for our life. Oh, that's good. When I get married, I have plans. I love to live a life like Solomon said. He says, many are the plans of man. But God's plans will prevail in my life. I have a whole lot of plans, folks. But how many people know that God's plans are the only plans that I want to take part in my day? Come on out, some of you out there. Well, I plan to get married by this age. How many people know the marriage that God has for you in His timing and His plan is way better than your timing and your plan? Oh, I got an amen from like three or four of you out there. Come on. We try and force things. Outside of maybe God's plans for our lives. Verse 7, here we see. Verse 7, 8, sorry, you already did 8, uh, 7, let's do 8. So they passed by Missouri and went down to Troas. Now I want you to notice what Paul's doing. He's like, all right, this, nope, closed door. This, closed door. Okay, no, this. Paul's not just sitting, waiting for things to drop in his lap, but instead he is stepping because God will guide your steps. So I get a no, I try over here. I get a no, I try over here. And so again, he's just, he's being led, he's being guided. He's waiting for the moment. And I'm going to show you how God leads us here in a second. He's waiting for the breadcrumb that God's going to drop in front of him. And so he's like, all right, is it here? And okay, no, it's not here. It's not here. Never getting disappointed, not getting frustrated. Well, God, where are you at? I travel all over the world. And so he's like, I know God's going to drop a breadcrumb. Let's just keep looking for the breadcrumb. When we moved from uh, Wisconsin to Arizona back in 1976, I remember on the car ride, we were talking about a place flowing with milk and honey. Oh my God, where we were going to move, it was the Hollywood of Arizona. It was exciting, right? And, and many of you, I don't know if you've heard of this place. It's called Globe, Arizona. That's a true story. We were moving to Globe. Oh, the promised land was going to be epic. And then we got there and we went, looked around. We went, I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think so at all. And then my parents were like, all right, maybe it's going to be Prescott. We had some friends up there. No, it wasn't Prescott. Well, maybe it's going to be Tucson. It wasn't too. Maybe it's Phoenix. No, maybe it's Mesa. Ooh, Mesa was good. And we settled down, and God led us right to Mesa. Start a church. We started in Apache Junction. Woo, exciting. Well, maybe not. And so then, got a little closer to Mesa. And then we're in South Mesa. And then we're in South Mesa. And then here we are, smack dab, in the place that God wanted us to be, in God's timing and God's way. And you see that, that God, we didn't just stop and just wait and go, I don't know, I guess God will just have to bring it. But instead, it was a persistence of keep moving and moving verse 9. Now here's this. I've been waiting all week for this right here. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man in Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. Paul's looking for an opportunity, looking for direction. God didn't give him either one of those. God gave him a need. Not his need, but somebody else's need. Write these two things down. Number two, God meets needs through meeting other people's needs. Number three, God leads us through other people's 
needs. God, show me, give me an opportunity, and God places needs of others in front of us, and because we don't know it, we miss God's leading and taking us to getting our needs met because we're just concerned about getting my needs. And God says, no, no, no. When I saw this, I go through the scriptures in the Bible, and I'm like, God doesn't lead through feelings. God leads through needs. God meets needs when I'm going through my day meeting needs of other people. See, we miss it oftentimes because we're not looking for it. We're looking for opportunity. God says, don't look for opportunity. Look for needs. It's like electricity. Electricity's got to flow. So I may have, I'm positive, and this person has a need that's negative, and the two together, the flow begins to happen. And in the midst of me meeting the need, I'm guided and directed by the breadcrumbs of need right to where God wants it to be in my day, my life, and my week. Paul's like, I have a need. God says, cool, here you go. Let me lead you through somebody else's need. You know that Joseph had a need. He wanted to get out of prison. That was his need. Did God bring him somebody with a key? Did he just get him out of jail? What did God bring him? God brought him the cupbearer and the baker with a need. Now, Paul could have, or uh, Joseph could have been like maybe some of us have done sometimes where he's just like, you know what? My life's tough too. I know you get your silly dream. Figure it out on your own. I got my own needs. I got my own problems. You got problems. I got problems. I'm supposed to be doing some stuff. And I've been in jail. Potiphar, I got done trumped up charges, so I don't know what to tell you. And he would have missed God leading him right into his purpose and destiny. His opportunity was brought to him through somebody else's need. You can even go deeper on this one right here. That Potiphar had a need, needed somebody to run his household. David or Joseph met the need. In meeting the need, he learned everything he needed to be able to run a place. Then he goes to jail. Now he's got to learn the politics of the government system. And the jailer needs somebody to be great and excellent where he's at and run this for him. Joseph meets the need in the process, learns everything that he will need to run all of Egypt. God was leading him with the breadcrumbs of need. David needed to be king. Did God just say, here's the crown, you're king? No. God said, oh, hey, David, we need you, oh, mighty king, to deliver sandwiches to your brothers who are fighting in a war. David was being led, right, not by a feeling and emotion, but he was being led by a need. So David, who's supposed to be king, is now the Uber driver of the old days, driving food over to his brothers who are unthankful, ungrateful, meeting a need. He shows up and all of Israel has a need of somebody to take care of Goliath. How is David going to become king? He's going to meet the need of the nation by stepping out. It was needs and breadcrumbs that took him to the place of Goliath that then beating that need got him in the eyes of all Israel. You look through all throughout the scriptures and you find that God is leading through needs. Ruth needs a husband, but Naomi needs somebody to be with her. Ruth decides to meet Naomi's needs, which is a breadcrumb that leads her right into Boaz. But then you go, Boaz needs a wife, but he looks on the field and there's people that have a need of food. Boaz meets the need of those with food, which leads him right into Ruth, which fulfills his need. Oh, come on, somebody, you're starting to grab a hold of this. Everything in life, God wants to lead you through needs. 
You're sitting in the office, and you're like, well, I need this, I need that, I need some encouragement. But if you look around, there was somebody in the office that needs some help. There's somebody that needs some love. And as I meet their needs, the positive and the negative come together. God breadcrumbs me right into my needs being met in my life. Some of you high school kids, you're like, well, here, I have needs. Look around this week, and you'll notice somebody needs, needs to be included. And as you include them, you'll find that they may not be the source of encouragement you need. But now I'm standing in a Walmart line, and God brings somebody across my path that gives me exactly the words and encouragement that I need in my life. Your needs are met through meeting needs. And God will guide you and direct you through this awesome life if I begin to look around. You know, church, we're all here today because we have needs. I have a need. I got stuff that God put on my heart to share with you. Oftentimes, we're all walking through those doors because we need some lifting up. We need some encouragement. We need a closeness with God. We need that moment. We need to be refreshed. We show up. But the church also, right? We need money to do all the things that we're doing. We need helpers and greeters and ushers. And people all come in together. And they greet. They usher. They're watching the cameras. They're doing the music. They're giving a need and in that God says oh hear me go let me fill you up the bucket passed and you gave what you could and you said okay the church has a need Gulu has a need and you gave into that and then the word comes and you're like oh I got exactly what I need do you see how God sets everything in life about the need come on amen come on somebody out there about the need you know God needed us to get saved. So what did he do? He said, oh, they need a savior. So God gave into our need so that his need could be fulfilled. You want to be Christ-like? How was Jesus guided and directed? Through need. I don't remember seeing him say, well, I feel this, I feel that. You know, Jesus needed to be the savior. So what did he spend his whole life doing from the time he woke up in the morning to the time he went to bed. He was guided and led by need. They need me over here. They need me in Galilee. They need me over here. They need food, right? The kids need me. The leopard needs me. The blind needs me. Everyone needs me. They need me to die on the cross. And as he fulfilled the needs that were in front of him, he became the savior that we needed in our life. Come on, somebody out there. Jesus was led by need. I got, give me two more minutes. I want to I show you this real quick. Um, whatever you need in life, start looking for the need. I want to close with this last thing. Verse 7. I'm going to go back to verse 7 again. I want you to see some, this is a, This got me so excited. It's the little things in the scripture that oftentimes if you're just reading it uh, just as fast as you can, that you'll miss some of the treasures. And this is one of the ones that got me so excited. Watch this. Remember, Paul, in order to do what he, he needed, he needed help to accomplish his goal. This is what he needed. He needed help. So Luke, as, as Luke is writing this, I want you to see something crazy here in verse 7. When they, when they, okay, so he's talking about, hey, when they're doing this and they're them, right? Go to verse 8. He said, so they, right? He's doing the same thing. Went down. It's all about, I... He said, I'm not a part of this. They're doing some stuff. Verse 9 is the dream where he says, okay, we're going to go fulfill a need. The moment that Paul says, I'm going to go fulfill a need, 
Watch what happens the very next verse. Paul needed help. After Paul had seen the vision, somebody say, we. Do you see how awesome that is? Luke was not on board. Luke was not helping. Even in his writing, he's like, I ain't a part of that. The moment that Paul went to do a need, God brought him everything that he needed to fulfill the need. All of a sudden, it went from them to we. Come on, somebody. <coughs> somebody out there, you need some we's in your life. You're right. I need some people to help me. I need some people to give into my life. Then look around you to see whose life you can give into. I need some encouragement. You know, the best thing you can do tomorrow is look for people that need some encouragement in their day, in their life. Build some people up. Tell them they can win. Tell them how awesome they are. Help some people out. Look around you in your home. Look around you in your job. Look around you at the Walmart. Look around you at the Starbucks. The world is a hurting place, and it needs you and I to fulfill some needs. And as I do the need, as you do the need, every need is a breadcrumb of God leading you right into everything you need. And along the way, we get our wants, we get our desires. Next August, I'll probably maybe get my wants and desires. We don't know. But I know this, that my year is going to be me looking for need. Not what I need, but I'm looking for what other people need. And in the midst of a life like that, you can't help but be full of joy, be full of excitement. So it's not what I got. It's more about what I can give. Come on, somebody. Isn't that a better life? It's not what I got. Because if I got God, I got everything that I need. I'm in first class. Come on, somebody. I'm in first class. I'm in first class. I'm in first class. Thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, what a good time. Oh, it was amazing. What a great message. We're going to continue this conversation on our daily Bible study. And we would love for you to join us for that. Go to YouTube, type in daily Bible study, and you're going to find us. We come up first. We're the number one daily Bible study in the world on YouTube. We're going to do a morning scripture. We're going to pray over your day. We're going to talk more about this message. We want you to go there and subscribe to this. You're going to love it. You know that God wants you blessed so that you can be a blessing. It's not about the world's way where you accumulate the weapons, it's all about me, but instead it's about you being blessed so that on any occasion, as Corinthians talks about, that I can be a blessing. And that is what Think Like a Billionaire, Become a Billionaire is all about. It is about the favor of God working in your life so that you don't have to chase money. Remember the Bible says that God's blessings will run you down. So how do you create an environment that attracts God's best into your life? God says, I wish that my people would have prosperity. He delights in your prosperity. And prosperity isn't just money. It's every good thing. And so this book is all about getting all the good things that God has for your life. You can get this on Amazon and most bookstores all over the United States and in also in Korea. Nice. This book is in Korea. Anyway, we want to pray. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I want to give you that opportunity. Say this prayer after us. Believe it, you have it. It's not about following a list of rules, but the Bible says whosoever believes. If you're whosoever and you believe today, you can get saved and your eternity changed. Say this prayer after me. Dear Father, I ask you right now, come into my life. Be my Lord and my Savior. I believe that Jesus died on the cross for all of my sins and was raised from the dead. I believe that I am saved. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, well, we'd just love to have you partner with us. You know this life-changing word, it's changing the whole world. 
and you can join us on that mission of distributing this media all over the planet and making a difference. Go to wakeuptv.tv and uh, click the donate button. Join the team. Don't forget to find a great church if you don't have one. Get planted. Those that are planted in the house of the Lord, you're going to flourish. God wants you to flourish. And so we encourage you. I think one of the best things you can do for yourself and for your family is to be in church once a week, just like Jesus was. Remember that this is the day that the Lord hath made. Come on, let's rejoice and be glad in it. See you next Sunday.